0: This weekend, the Atlantic Showdown, so the meeting of the North American, of the South American, and of the European Contenders Champions, as well as the run-ups in some cases, and the runner-run-ups in NA's case, concluded in Krefeld Germany, and I was fortunate enough to attend the event, and I thought I'd share some of the... Impressions I got from the event the sort of vibe that it communicated to me the potential that this kind of tournament has for the future and Sort of tell you that it was a very good sort of, sort of compromise between a relaxed atmosphere and a professionally run tournaments that Also might be a structure that makes tier 2 could make tier 2 more enticing Now I attended the first TakeOver event, and the second TakeOver event already in Krefeld, Germany, and I will say back then, especially the first TakeOver was a very laid-back tournament, I remember walking into the venue, and it is in a gaming bar, there's sort of spacious, I think overall we fit, uh, on last weekend we fit about 250 people in, I think that was the number I heard, You could watch in the bar. Back in TakeOver 1, they had these couches everywhere, and there was multiple screens, and you were really lounging. You could even also go into the cinema, and it was a very relaxed atmosphere. I remember even having to take my shoes off for this and just walking around in, like, uh, socks or whatever. Uh, During TakeOver 2, it was already a little bit more mm, professionalized, I would say. Um, Certain things were kept an eye on and then now and I have to say consider the Atlantic showdown as you can see in the video title I consider this the Atlantic takeover a very nice marriage between these two formats where of course Blizzard had to put their professional spin on the event in order to for it to be becoming of a of an event of that Importance, relative importance, most definitely in light of the contenders, um, champions going there, and certainly they deserve a competitive tournament, right? So, the first thing I have to say was, I felt like they, in comparison to TakeOver 2, um, a lot of things were done much more professionally. And it isn't that TakeOver 2 should have done this, it is just something that was very necessary. So the first thing that um, I encountered was just security, which is, I think, absolutely a staple at esports events, that you have full security, searches, all that, and should also happen for the security of the players. It's an absolute must-have in esports events, so kudos for having that. They stayed... Uh, the entire time the, the tournament ran, as far as I could see, as far as I've t- attended, so no problems from me there. Also very nice uh, people that they hired. I will also say that they really sort of <sighs> dressed up the venue, so they had these, these banners everywhere, like these printouts that were like, um, I don't know what the technical term would be, but... They have these panels in in the bar, and usually they're Take TV, you know, like, uh, labeled. But Take TV also specializes in white labeling events, so then the contenders teams, for instance, had their banners on all the walls or the little panels everywhere, and that was very sweet uh, to see that they put so much attention to those details they removed most of the couches in order to make more room for seats which was in the end especially on saturday very much required as every seat was taken i think it wasn't absolutely packed that you couldn't breathe anymore but most definitely all seats were taken and people had to stand there's also a little cinema where you could watch that somehow wasn't that well known and was not always filled to the brim, but um, also a sort of nice environment, no, nice change-up to watch the games in that. Um, I will also say <laughs> an interesting thing, I I remember hearing some criticism from, from TakeOver 2 that... For instance, alcoholic beverages were shown on an American broadcast, which, of course, especially with uh, people under 21 appearing, is against Louisville's law. I'm not sure if there's... Like, there's, of course, no legality problem of showing beer in a bar, but it was more sort of more of an image thing. This time around, um, they white-labeled all the drinks, everything there. Also, kudos to the staff for making this all happen, because this is an- another... Um, effort that they had to make in order to you know sort of make all of these logistical things work so you had the the impression that yes this is still the take tv gaming bar but overall this is also run by blizzard their labels are on all this they had a quality assurance of this and it worked out all in that The Blizzard stuff made sure that games were going smoothly. Of course, there are some technical difficulties. I was told, for instance, that the stream wasn't running uh, on the first day, was a little choppy. Um, I talked to the guys there, literally nothing they could do, it was a provider thing, and also they definitely do their due diligence because they have multiple connections there. So sometimes eSports is like that. It didn't have impact on the bars' terminals, um, as we always get the Observer feed directly, I think. So in, in the bar, we never had those issues. Um, I mean, the, the booths lost power like twice, which wasn't big of a problem. Um, and overall, from the professional side of things, I didn't have anything to bemoan other than a short couple of points I will m- mention in the end. Um, I will also say that just so as we finish up the, the professionalization of the TakeOver event, if you want, I will also say we kept some of the atmosphere from these takeover events. So the couch was kept, which in my opinion sort of sets up and frames the entire broadcast in some sense, right? It's it's a sort of playful thing that invites players, invites coaches, invites managers to share their experiences with it. And in my opinion is especially for tier two, a huge asset. And this is where I'll make my point about the niche that Tier 2 could fulfill. Now, of course, in a professionalized league that aspires to be in uh of Europe uh, of uh international standards, especially American sports, and I'm talking about the Overwatch League here, there are certain things that you likely wouldn't be able to do on broadcast because you want to have a very professional sort of like elevated experience of these players. They shouldn't necessarily, you know, you, sh- you shouldn't find out about their serial or whatever. That this is sort of like the level above that where the games are feel heroic and you set them up in that way. Now for tier two, I think it is. A very nice change of pace to sort of use that kind of familiarities, sort of that almost like that streaming formula where you show more of the personality of these Tier 2 players and that is good for certain reasons that are entwined with the challenges that Tier 2 players face. Now for one it is hard to get your name out there. With an appearance on one of those couches Theoretically, and I will say, I think we could have expanded some of the uh, couch action. We could have had more players, but certainly a lot of people were introduced to, for instance, Fanny Astro, who was very good on it. Um, parents is one thing. I would like to see the the highlights on the players, and then maybe secondarily as the coaches. Not not saying that uh, that segment with uh, I, th- I believe it was Sugarfree's dad wasn't funny. Definitely was. Definitely wouldn't cut it either, just saying that overall, I think getting players on these couches logistically adds a lot of that for the players' opportunities in the future. So for one, it was the first LAN event for many of these people. Now it isn't, hasn't, like a huge stage feel. That you might have, for instance, if someone rents out an arena for you to play on, and you're on stage, or if someone is in a in an exhibition hall and you're playing at Gamescom in front of thousands of people. That is, it's a very different environment, it's sort of like a nice dip into the hot water, into the cold water. That is professional esports, and I think in, in that way, events like Takeover, uh, sorry, the Atlantic Showdown, of course, and y- you see that. I perceive it to be the third takeover in some senses. I believe that it is a nice introduction for these people to get some line experience when having the huge pressure and while also being able to show some of their personality while getting a little bit closer to the fans. <coughs> also something I will say was very easy to do, still security on site everywhere but Place was very accessible. Um, I saw Snillo taking pictures with uh, Fusion Univans. I saw a lot of the Brazilians interacting. I definitely saw um, some coaches. Um, in, and in general, of course, the Angry Titans uh, crew there, in general, with the crowd there. For those that don't know, Angry Titans is actually based out of the Take TV offices. So th- uh, um, the Angry Titans are the esports organization of Take TV, as I understand And I'm not sure how the legalities are there, but definitely their fan base is there. You could definitely hear it, and their fan support was definitely a given. So they also had interaction with fans, had a sh- chance to build a fan base that way, and it felt very familiar, much more easygoing, much more easy for these players to be introduced into what is pro life. While we are having issues with that stepping stone, don't we? In professional sports, we, of course, have the gradual professionalization from the little leagues into professional sports. And when someone arrives at one of the higher leagues of the NBA, NFL, even in the Bundesliga or, like, you know, like, um, soccer leagues in general, they have played some of the big cup games. They've felt the pressure. They've talked to journalists, most definitely. They've interacted with fans. All that is there. <coughs> Excuse me, isn't necessarily the case in esports. With events like these, it's extremely well received. Definitely, fans were made that day just from players interacting with a crowd that po- possibly wasn't all familiar with all the players there. And experience, crucially, was made for these players. Because I will say, and this is a sp- pattern that I haven't seen discussed enough, if you look at the top placings, Especially in Envy and Fu- Funi's case, these guys had ec- had extensive experience in LAN situations, right? So definitely the Funi crowd, with all their play, or four of their players, come from Apex, having played in front of an uh, in a LAN environment, having played in front of a crowd. Then Snillo coming from Overwatch League, and who am I missing? Karkar. Okay, he was the only rookie on that team. And uh, in Envy's case, a lot of them were veterans, Fire, Jaru, Sharp are like staple names for um, uh, Overwatch in the West that have also participated in a bunch of LAN tournaments, so it wasn't as surprising there, right? So, in overall, we can say that LAN experience is very valuable, especially not just in order to get your name out there, but also to grow as a person and as a player. So in that regard, it was also a success. I'm sure that certain players will come away from this and will be much more prepared for uh, oncoming scenarios where they have to play in these uh, bigger leagues once they get recruited to possibly the Overwatch League, of course. I will also say they did nice little things for the fans. So they had cardboards everywhere with like a lot of pens, so Fans could be creative with their, um, with the cardboard cutouts and placards or whatever you want to call them in English, um, and that added a little bit of flair. I think that they do that in Apex as well. Always some of the culture being transferred, some funny memes for the broadcast as well. Um, I will say that the casting couch in general, getting people in. Uh, was certainly also, again, I would have liked for that to be expanded. It was, once again, very interesting to see how cast is cast. And I would say, for instance, and this is sort of like a side point, I wrote an article on Uber when he casted TakeOver 2, and I was able to witness him in person, and how he, almost as a drama actor, gesticulates and really lives the experience of the gameplay that he's casting which directly transports into his speech and it's that's why i again and again advocate for uh, caster cameras because you would feel the hype as well if you saw how they are interacting with the gameplay and uber shouts is one example now at takeover i want to highlight most definitely jo- uh, jaws who also has maybe not as expressive but definitely has some things how he interacts with his hands and how he shapes the team fights and how he cuts things apart puts them together and it's it's an experience and it, it increases my enjoyment of casting in Overwatch which usually should bring the emotion and should bring the information but also through body language can do so In a different way, and I will say that yes, I I wouldn't put a caster cam like in the bottom left corner for everyone to see. But now and again, having a little bit of these cutouts or having maybe a second stream that people could follow on the second monitor would add enjoyment to some people, and I have to say that includes me. As a result of all these things, of these cool, like fan oriented um, measurements combined with professionalization that blizzard enacted there the marriage worked very well for the live audience i have to say especially because the the angry titans as the home team were able to play there and had some, at least the atlantic uh, the game against atlanta um, that was sort of uh, interesting to watch and also dramatic in some sense that definitely got the crowd going um i would say for a crowd of that size and it wasn't a big stadium again 250 people it was very loud most people were engaged in some way and also i would say (coughs) a decent chunk stayed and and just enjoyed the overwatch they were um, watching i definitely experienced some um like shifting after angry titans were out maybe towards envy because funi is like the overdog and then people root for the underdog and was still Fairly hype in in that regard. Um, I will say to get a feeling for who these new superstars could definitely be and how they carry themselves, one thing that impressed on me a lot was Alarm. I think that that guy is made out to be a superstar in the coming uh, year, not just by his gameplay, but just by how he carries himself. A certain suave, like, careless cool attitude that he brings while going to the booth is something that you usually don't see in like absolutely top performing eSports players I think that that might be if he can step on the paddle and maybe sh- maybe shit talk a little bit I think he could be in the way he carries himself I'm not saying I had any negative experiences but he has that bad guy swagger if I want to say that. Um, that was very interesting to see just how how people interact, what their body language is. I observed uh, how coaches see this, how they I uh, know what stress they are. and <clears throat> that was an interesting experience from a human standpoint. And all of this resulted in a filled out venue that, especially on Saturday was pretty packed. I'm not sure if they could have sold uh, or should have sold more. Uh, than that I think it was fairly full the old seats were taken it wasn't like we were standing like back to back and nobody could move so I think it was filled to capacity in my opinion maybe a couple of people more and overall as a life event it was definitely an absolute um, success and I think a lot of people would echo this statement and would also attend one of these events again Which, once again, speaks for the format itself. Now, the problem, of course, is that the viewership, despite the pretty okay uh, time slot that they put it in, in this big break where there's still some stuff, or like we haven't had professional Overwatch in like three weeks, I think, now, after the Overwatch league concluded with the stage finals. So I thought, okay, maybe people will be a little bit hungry for high level of play, especially uh, because they hopefully know that especially Funi and Envy could very well play uh, in the Overwatch League and not be last at the least. Um, So competitive teams in the general scale of the game, I thought people would tune in for that, tune in for future superstars like Alarm, (coughs) um, like Nice possibly, and just enjoy that experience and sadly especially on the first day but also on the second day i think the viewership peaked at 17k but definitely that wasn't the average it could have been higher that was just a number that was uh, told to me on day two i think uh, or day three um it could have it could have peaked higher later on i haven't looked up these numbers that was just something something that was told in person to me uh and to me, at this point, it is very clear that Contenders as a product, as it was pre- presented to me at this event, and once again, this is my in-person bias, right, from what I saw being at the event, not being a viewer at, at on the stream, which, again, might be a very different experience, but in my estimation, doesn't have a production problem, doesn't have a content problem, doesn't have a le- level of play problem, and all these surrounding factors I named previously, it does have a promotional problem. And here, one has to say, I don't think we had a, a tweet from the PlayOverwatch account. I wouldn't know why this isn't a, a PlayOverwatch thing. If the World Cup, for instance, is, I think... The development of that Tier 2 talent is definitely also in the interest of, of the game. I will say that it is also... I don't think we got a rehost. I'm not 100% on that. If we didn't get one, and I think we should have gotten one the entire weekend from the uh, Overwatch League account, I understand that there might be some contracts in place with Twitch that say we got to restream these Overwatch League games. That's in the contract. That's fine. That is not my biggest beef. I think a, a, um, a host would have done wonders for the viewership because people would have realized that the content they are watching is actually worthwhile and different and different tastes are satiated there. So I think overall, I'm fairly confident in saying that Contenders doesn't isn't the problem in itself in how it presents itself it has a problem in how it gets to people. And we definitely need to make, uh, cut ourselves a niche out there for contenders. And I think this homely style player interviews after every, after every match, like Europe, for instance, did um, during the uh, regular season in the past, and um, just getting a little bit more relaxed with this, to ramp up into professional play, into uh, or absolutely professional play with the Overwatch League, is a nice transition and will also appeal to a crowd that already has shown that they want that when the Overwatch League wasn't a thing and we had all these Gosu ga- weeklies which were, as they say nowadays, scuffed in some sense but still had a charm to it and the cast is sold it and... The talent, sort of like joking with the players, and in this regard, like just building a fan base that way, that feels a little bit more intimate, a little bit more to the towards the streamer experience that we experience on Twitch. I think that is definitely a niche that we can see. Uh, I can see a future for Contenison, and I hope they continue doing these um, events. I'm also not mad at the g- not being that. I think. The Gauntlet deserves to be a very prestigious big event and I think uh it will be one in the OGN studios. And I'm I'm not saying we should sort of transition this to be, you know, more personable, but but maybe the average broad- broadcast should be and then also the Atlantic Showdown possibly maybe I mean, this is, this is of course, hard to do because I'm sure the investment Blizzard made there, they sent a bunch of t- people over, all the production that had to be done with these panels and everything was certainly uh, expensive, I think, for a, an event that didn't get as many viewers. I think if we start continuously is exactly inhabiting this type of niche and then ramping up into Overwatch League so these players get into Overwatch League also already as known brands to the fans... That are a little bit more personable, they get prepared better, we have better viewership, and then if we can get promotion on that product, I think we're in for a much more healthy tier two system. Thanks for watching.